Our republic was founded on the principles of diffused, dispersed political power, market dynamism, localism, true cultural diversity, and the primacy of individual rights. It groans today under the crippling weight of concentrated political power, economic monopolism, and elitist woke totalitarianism. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of The Kevin Roberts Show. You just heard a soundbite from a speech I delivered at Heritage's Resource Bank earlier this year, the theme of which has become our battle cry here at Heritage, we the people on offense. This week, we're sharing that speech in full. It's both a diagnosis of the state of the conservative movement and a roadmap for conservatives in the coming years. I hope you enjoy it. Thanks so much. Good morning to you. We've got a, an action-packed day because of you. And I'm so grateful to all of you for being here and grateful to the city of Nashville. So let's just pause and give a round of applause to all of the support staff here. <clears throat> Nashville is awesome for many reasons. One of them is that they play both kinds of music, country and Western. <laughs> a few of you old enough in the audience to know what I'm referring to, one of the great movies of all time. This is my first resource bank as Heritage President, but it's not my first resource bank. During my tenure with the Texas Public Policy Foundation, we were always proud to collaborate with Heritage at this meeting, including last year in Austin. Honest to God, I had no idea then that one year later I'd be in this role. So what a privilege as one of you, that is a movement conservative who wants to devolve power from Washington to welcome you. Today, our country and our movement face extraordinary challenges, but also some remarkable opportunities, if we have the courage to seize them. Knowing what time it is in America means we know it's time to act, to build, to push, to prod, and to collaborate. For us at Heritage, it's time to serve. Indeed, if the Heritage Foundation's mission is to build an America where freedom, opportunity, prosperity, and civil society flourish, then our mission in this moment is very clear, serving you. As you know, our theme this year is we the people on offense. This morning, I wanna talk about both parts of that idea. But it needs to be said that neither piece, conservatism as a populist constitutionalist movement, our conservatism as an advancing confident movement works without the men and women in this room and the hundreds of organizations and millions of Americans we represent. In America today, almost every problem we face is at root a problem of centralization. Our republic was founded on the principles of diffused, dispersed political power, market dynamism, localism, true cultural diversity, and the primacy of individual rights. It groans today under the crippling weight of concentrated political power, economic monopolism, and elitist woke totalitarianism. The American people are sick of it. More than 70% of the country has said we're on the wrong track for seven months running. In Washington, this is mostly seen through the lens of America's never-ending political campaign. And 2022 does seem to be shaping up as yet another anti-incumbent wave election. But there's a lot more going on here than the outcome of a few races in November. 
This moment is much bigger than one election or one politician. It's bigger than one pundit or even one think tank in Washington, D.C., however brilliant its scholars are charming its president. Make no mistake, across the country, the people are already on offense. The biggest story in American politics today is not so much the disintegration of public trust in institutions, government, the media, corporations, the education system, and goodness knows public health agencies. Nor is it the pervasive corruption in those institutions which has earned them the nation's distrust. Both of those trends have been with us for a generation or more. Rather, the story today is that Americans are fighting back. We see this not simply in polling data, cable news ratings, and social media clicks, but in real organic action. Think of the most powerful and enduring images in American politics since we gathered in Austin last June. It's not campaign speeches or ads. It's not a filibuster. Lord knows it's not some dramatic showdown in Congress. It's the school board meetings from last fall when moms and dads, bridging every imaginable social, economic, and partisan divide, stood up for their kids against the sneering woke educrats lying to them about sex violence in American history. It's the YouTube clips of equally diverse passengers on commercial airlines cheering the announcement that Commissar Fauci's mask mandate had finally ended. It's in the blizzard of state legislation defending girls' sports. The growing support for universal school choice fueled by the overreach of teacher unions and their school official puppets. And it's in the failure of the draft Supreme Court decision overturning Roe v. Wade, leaked to ignite national outrage by someone who thinks Twitter is real life, to move the national political needle even a single tick. As I said, the people are already on offense. What's missing? And what conservatives must deliver is the we, the increasingly challenging task, considering how fractured our side seems most days. Indeed, much is made today about divisions within the conservative movement. Paleos and populists, nationalists and neocons, MAGA Claremonters, Berkey and traditionalists, libertarians, patriots, parents, friends all, like a large family reunion. There are some points of sensitivity among us, but we are, after all, a family. The mainstream media tries to hype our divisions in hopes of exacerbating them and discouraging us. Republican politicians, on the other hand, try to hide them in hopes of concentrating our attention on our common leftist opponents. It seems to me that neither approach matches this moment. It's certainly true that all branches of conservatism have more in common with each other than we do with the left, especially the woke Neiman Marxist version of it today. But in this era of class, cultural, and political realignment, our differences are too important to ignore. And one of conservatism's defining qualities, after all, is a belief in objective truth toward which reason, respectful debate, can lead us. The Heritage Foundation is in no position to tell conservatives what to believe. But I do think we are uniquely positioned to help conservatives work through those disagreements so we all come out stronger on the other side. To be sure, new issues are arising in the national debate. Old positions and alliances are shifting, and conservatives need answers. 
But if the last decade has taught us anything else, it's that institutional establishments have neither the credibility nor the wherewithal to impose their views on an increasingly skeptical public. What should conservative foreign policy look like today? While Russia wages a hot war in Ukraine and the Chinese Communist Party wages a cold one from Beijing. What do we do on immigration? When even President Trump, who cared more about that issue than any other, could merely scratch the surface of reform in four years? How do we reconcile the need to take on big tech monopolists and woke capital and the knowledge that federal regulation usually does more harm than good? How will conservatives approach abortion, family, and child welfare policy when, not if, when Roe versus Wade is overturned? This month. Finally, how should we harness the national momentum against the woke, incompetent education bureaucracy into policies that can't be twisted into Common Core 2.0? There are good faith, cogent conservative arguments on all sides of those questions. But it's safe to say that Washington leaders would prefer we not talk about this at all. When conservatives, for example, raised perfectly reasonable questions about aid to Ukraine last month, the establishment pilloried them, pilloried us for it. When the Supreme Court's draft decision overturning Roe was leaked, congressional leaders went mum and encouraged their members to talk only about the leak itself and not the possible end of 49 years of judicial tyranny and legalized slaughter of children. When a U.S. Senator had the audacity to write and publish a policy agenda for a new conservative majority, his leaders attacked it, and him. In every case, the principal objection was not any substantive disagreement, but rather the optics of making the right look divided and the inconvenience of having no debate at all. It seems to me that this tired, boomer-era, shirts-versus-skins gamesmanship does not fit America today. It's why the public distrust both parties and all major institutions, not just one side of the aisle. It seems to me that our movement would be better served by authentic debate about policy than by the false unity around tactics that defines and degrades American politics today. Just look at the difference between parents at those school board meetings, or the work of your local cri crisis pregnancy center, or the powerful case for patriotism that is the quiet, bristling confidence of a Marine just graduated from Paris Island. Compare that, compare all of that, to the vulgar, preening performance art of most political social media today. It's the difference between being on offense and being offensive. If conservatives are serious about rescuing America from this new era of malaise, we have to come to terms with the fact that owning the left on Twitter is not the same as actually defeating them. Ultimately, the only way to defeat them is to persuade a large, durable majority of our fellow citizens that our ideas really can solve problems that in fairness, both parties have contributed to in recent decades. The size, corruption, and incompetence of the federal government today is a depressingly bipartisan project. True solutions to these problems and the coalition that brings them about will not come from Washington, but from everywhere else. 
which brings us back to Resource Bank. What the conservative movement needs to be for America, this conference is meant to be for the conservative movement. For you, a source of good ideas and better people, of winning messages and rigorous research capable of translating America's highest ideals into policies that yield smaller government and better citizens. To win the battle for America's future, we have to fight for every American's heart. The more of the country the woke left cancels, the more of it we must engage. Not like the left, with entitlement and intimidation, but with the respect due fellow citizens and children of God. Like Abraham Lincoln, we should set about neutralizing our adversaries by making their targets our friends. A new larger coalition will demand newer priorities and larger goals, updated applications of our unchanging principles. In this project, the Heritage Foundation wants to be your resource bank, and we need you to be ours. We can't do this job without your partnership. We the people on offense means all the people. Every activist, every donor, every sponsor, every leader, thinker, and communicator, every organization cooperating, collaborating, debating, persuading, and ultimately growing our movement. A big tent is what we might call this, but let me clarify that for a moment. If you're like me, you've probably noticed over the years that anytime Washington insiders talk about building a big tent for conservatism, what they really mean is a cynical conspiracy between corporate welfare CEOs and unprincipled campaign consultants to lie to actual conservatives about who's looking out for their interests. No surprise for many of us that the phrase big tent is usually synonymous with not conservative, but that's changing. Today, I think you'll agree, we can see very clearly who is looking out for us and who isn't, who fights and who pretends to, who's pro-freedom and who is just pro-Wall Street, who serves the social issues and who expects the social issues to serve them, who wants to do something and who just wants to be something. The coalition we need the coalition we are in fact building right now is different. Fewer suits and more work boots. Less K Street and more Main Street. Fewer millionaires and more single moms. Less Ivy League and more community colleges and apprenticeships. The new conservative movement must fight as hard for Americans who shower after work as we do for those who shower before. The conservative movement that actually can rescue our country is not the same old coalition plus a few extra votes in Arizona and Wisconsin. It's a huge, multi-ethnic, religiously and racially diverse, populist, constitutionalist workers, supermajority that believes everyone, including them and especially their kids, deserve as much chance to thrive in America as the rich, smug liberals with their silly pronouns and make-believe victimhood who've spent the last three years vaxxing them, doxing them, canceling them, and worst of all, closing their schools after calling their kindergartners racists. Those Americans, our brothers and sisters in the elite's contempt are already conservatives. They just don't know it yet. Our mission is to show them, to win them, 
to persuade them with our friendship, fellowship, respect, support, and our ideas. And then we must welcome them. And together with them, take back America. Since I took this job, thank you. Since I took this job, one of the most common questions I've been asked is, how will you define success for the Heritage Foundation? It's very simple. Our task is to be a servant to servants. Heritage exists to help you save America. And that's what the next two days are about. So this isn't about us at Heritage. It's about you and those whose lives benefit from your work. And ultimately, with all of the policy priorities of your organizations and of ours, what we're really trying to achieve is greater, truer self-governance for every American. The naysayers will say that the time for that has passed, that the proverbial clock of the American Republic has stopped. They will say that our movement is incapable of harnessing our collective power and influence to actually alter the course of history. That America is in the valley of valleys and will never reemerge on the mountaintop or even the hillside of freedom and flourishing. But I look around this room, I know this room, and I see not just hopefulness, but resolve. Resolve to work harder and smarter, specifically by executing our respective plans for reform that collectively will, in fact, carry this great republic out of the morass it's in. So what I see is that it isn't too late. Our window of opportunity is narrow, to be sure, but American conservatives have faced that before, each time re-emerging stronger, ascendant, and somehow more cheerful. Let us pledge this day never to give in to the despair the other side wants us to feel, but to get about the business of reclaiming our country. This is our last best chance to save the last best hope for the world. And so it's time to get to work. Thank you and God bless you. Thanks again for tuning in. And if you haven't already, please hit the subscribe button wherever you're listening. The Kevin Roberts Show is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. The executive producer is Crystal Kate Bonham. The producer is Philip Reynolds. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and Tim Kennedy. For more information and to subscribe, please visit heritage.org.